0: Good morning. How are you guys doing? Good. Great. Okay. Cool. 9 a.m. What's up? We doing this thing. Let's get this. Cool. Hey. Uh, so today we're going to be in Romans chapter five, like Ben was talking about. Um, and uh, if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there right now. If you have your phones, you can open up to that. Um, what am I? Uh, favorite parts about my job of being the college men's director here for this ministry is that I get to hear um, a lot of the crazy college stories that you guys often have. You know, um, you know, just because it's like these crazy moments, these spontaneous moments that you don't really know what's going to happen, um, and then it turns into this crazy, awesome, like, m- memorable story. Um, and it's funny too because it reminds me of some of my own college stories uh, from back in my undergrad days and. Um, <laughs> one one quick story. Uh I uh there, it was my first semester, my first year at Tarleton. Um go Oscar P, what's up? Um and so you guys don't know what that means, it's fine. Um and so uh, my, first, uh, my first year, um, it's homecoming week, right? I mean, every, every university, every school has their own uh, homecoming traditions. Like Everybody does their own thing. Um, at Tarleton, um, we like to eat disgusting pancakes at 12 in the morning, uh, at 12 at night. And then we also um, like to beat oil drums with 2 by 4s because that's fun. Um, and then we also like to just set things on fire. Um, college stuff, right? College stuff, normal college stuff. Um, but no, like literally we actually do uh, set this, we go out to this field that's in Stephenville and we go and we um, we go into this open pasture. It's kind of like removed from everything. And we go and uh, this this student organization called the Plowboys come and they, <laughs> it's weird name I know, um, but they uh, take these hundreds of thousands of diesel-soaked wooden pallets and create this monstrous three-tiered, what looks like to be a birthday cake, and we just set on fire because it's college, right? Um, and it's, it's, it was, and it was, it's just awesome times. So, like, you know, we go there and, you know, we set the whole thing on fire. It's awesome. It's just like a social event. It's pretty low-key. You know, you see some friends, meet some new people, and that's exactly what happens. You know, I go with my friends, and I'm meeting, like, my friends' friends. Like, I'm saying hi to my coworkers. I'm, you know, hanging out with some of my lacrosse friends. I'm meeting their fraternity brothers. And... It's a good time. And, you know, all this is happening, you know, you see kind of off in the distance that there's some lightning. There's some lightning from the storm that we knew that was, you know, it was there, like we knew because it was in the forecast. But then it's like, you know, as the week progressed, like it started to kind of dissipate. And it was like, ah, it's not going to hit us. It's fine. Right. So we continue on, you know, in, in having this really fun um, social outing. And, you know, the storm <laughs> starts getting a little closer. It's like, ah, like, like okay, okay, okay. Like, let's, uh, I'm sure it's probably going to miss us. But just to be safe, let's check the forecast, like on our phones. Let's, cha- let's check the chance for rain, um, and you know, so it bumps from zero to twenty percent—huge <laughs> jump. Um, and so we're like, ah, we're fine. Like, yeah, like we can see. Maybe we can even like hear some of the like the thunder rolling in the background. And we're like, ah, it's fine. I mean, like, there's some purple and red in there, but it's not gonna hit us. Like, it's not gonna hit us. We're gonna get maybe like just the cusp of it and get like a light you know, drizzle to just really top off the night. It's going to be super refreshing. Um, And so as, you know, but we're thinking like, okay, like, well, just in case, let's, you know, make sure, you know, we got our picture with the bonfire and, you know, we're, you know, talking to our friends and that we're hanging out. Make sure that, you know, you have a ride back because you don't want to be stuck out here where there's this massive, you know, burning 100-foot fire tower that is just chilling in this open field that's probably overly dry and we should probably talk about that to the city of Stephenville. but, uh, you know, and so before we could be like, okay, hey, let's head out, the the wind changes from like a smooth like five miles an hour, 10 miles an hour to a solid 80. Guys, the entire moment just changed. The entire, the entire atmosphere just changed just went from zero to a hundred in the fastest way you can imagine. Because now this hundred foot fire tower that is just roaring in this field has now gone from vertical to horizontal and roaring across this open field as there's now, now that there's this dust and this, all these embers are now flying through the air, landing and singeing people's clothes. As there's thousands of us there, and then, you know, we still see the lighting Like, it's now, like, with us, and we're like, where did it come from? We didn't see this coming at all. And then now, like, we hear the thunder roaring, and, and, all, and then it just it breaks down to just, just mass hysteria. And everybody starts screaming, ah! Oh, my gosh, run! And it's so funny, because it's like some of the sorority girls, like, wore their extra high, like, cowboy boots out there in the field. And it's like, it was really funny. Some of them fell. We trampled on them, but not really. <laughs> just kidding shouldn't have made that joke. That's horrible. Um, But uh, but no, but it was like it just in like as you're like running to your car as like there's people like running with you as you're screaming. I used to have a video, um, but it just got lost in, you know, phone, phone, changing phones. And um, but as you're like running to your car, you know, you start to feel some of the rain, right? Like, okay, yeah, like that. Okay, now that makes sense. Now we feel the rain. But then it didn't. It wasn't only rain. It was hail. And it's not like hail, is in like, like little Skittles everywhere. It was this, it was like golf ball and like smashing your car. And I tell that story A, because it's 100% true and I want to have it on video. I want it to be documented for the world to see. But also because I think, <laughs> I think that oftentimes, if I'm going to be real, sometimes our college experience and honestly just life can be just that, right? Like we can have... We can have, our, our, sometimes our college career can go from really fun to really bad, really fast, in a moment's notice where, you know, we're, we're having a good time, or we're creating memories, but then these horrible things happen in our life that we don't really get, the, that we don't really have a say in whether or not we are participating in. it And I can't imagine for you guys specifically, because you guys are having to navigate some of the funnest years that, you, that you're going through, during a pandemic that was just dropped in your lap with no manual of what how you're supposed to do college. And like, this aside, please hear me say that you guys are doing a really great job. You guys are doing a really great job with what has been dealt to you. And our staff, our hearts break for you guys because we know that a lot of the, the recruitment stuff that's been going on that you guys have had to be a part of like so many Zoom meetings and I mean just, I mean Blackboard and classes in general, I mean like come on, that's, that's tough. Like I get that. And like even that, but like the social, it's like the social aspect of it is hard. So it's, it's, it's hard all the way across the board. It's hard, it's hard mentally, it's hard emotionally, it's hard socially, it's hard psychologically. It's just, it's hard, it's hard physically, it's hard across the board. But, and I'm like, and nobody really wants to say that because, you know, nobody wants to be like the, the wet blanket or the buzzkill. But, it, but we, can say, we can say that, like college can be hard. And in the Bible, there's this, uh, there's this word that oftentimes is used to describe what those kind of hard moments mean. Um, and that word is called suffering. And in these, in these five verses that we're gonna be getting into, that Paul writes at the beginning of uh, Romans chapter five, I think is really gonna help us make sense of what we do with that suffering, even in a 21st century context. So let's go ahead and honestly just jump right on in um, and you'll, you guys will see what I mean. So let's go ahead and read uh, verses, starting in verse one of Romans chapter five. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ that through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. I think what Paul writes in these five verses, I think um, there's it gets it gets kind of hairy because this is I mean Romans is this one long argument that Paul is trying to make and it's, it's really interesting because in these five verses, Paul, um, there's, a, there's two major segments uh, that we're going to get into uh, with a really clean break um, that uh, really sets up the rest of his argument throughout the rest of Romans. So um, it's the first, let me, let me just go ahead and um, say that there's a lot of life and application in these verses, so I don't want you guys to miss this. Um, so... We're just we'll just get right into it. So verses uh, one through two is that first main segment. If you're taking notes, that if you have your Bibles, you can that you like to mark in. Um, that one thing if you have a if you have a highlighter, if you have a pen, if you have a crayon, like go ahead and underline or circle or highlight um, the word therefore. Um, and this is kind of like a like a little tip of the trade, you know, from you know a pastorate to you guys is that anytime you see the word therefore in scripture ask the question, what is that therefore, therefore? Because oftentimes it ties back to what has been previously said in whatever text that you're reading. And I mean, and that's exactly what, what Paul does, is that it says, therefore, since. And so he's referring to things that he's previously said, so let's go ahead and read. So therefore, since, we've been justified by faith. Well, if you remember last week, if you were here, if you were live streaming, or you went back and listened to the message, last week, Josh's story was up here and he preached from Romans chapter four. All of Romans chapter four, where he articulated abraham 's faith that, that Paul had articulated abraham 's faith in that it's our, our, we are no longer justified by our works but we 're actually justified by faith and, and, and Josh did a really good job illustrating what that meant. Uh, you keep going on that um, we have peace with God through our lord jesus christ that 's another piece that Paul is referring back to because if you remember before Josh, Ben was up here and he was preaching and he talked about, um, about how no one is righteous before God. No, everybody falls underneath the category of sinner. And that we, by our natural default, we are, are opposed to God. And Ben even went on to describe this word that um, is really important. Um, and it's called uh, Jesus being the propitiation for our sins. In, in, in layman terms, it's that Jesus was the payment to our debt. That we that we had this longstanding debt with the God of the universe and that it kept us from having a right relationship with Him. And then Jesus came and He became that payment so that we could be right with God. And then we keep going on through verse two, and it says, Through him, Jesus, we have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So it's so in 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 just that verse alone, we just have this really Beautiful illustration of just what the gospel is. The gospel of Jesus Christ is that he came, died for our sins, took on the debt that we owed God, and made it to where we could have free, unlimited access to an all loving, all knowing, all powerful, and all present God of the universe and fabricator of reality that was free because of what Jesus Christ did. That's the gospel. But, but as I was kind of making, as I kind of alluded to earlier, there's, a sh- there's, there's two segments to what Paul writes in these five verses. And at the beginning of verse three, there's a shift. So let me go ahead and reread, uh, and then we'll, we'll talk about it. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Guys, Paul makes this profound, if we're gonna be honest, like this, this immaculate claim in verse at the beginning of verse three because he says not only that, well, Lizzie, what, okay, that's another kind of linchpin phrase and he says, what, right before that, he says we can rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Okay, yeah, we get that. Like, we can rejoice in the gospel. We can rejoice in that. Like, that makes sense. But he has the audacity to then make this claim that not only that, like, we don't only rejoice in that. We can rejoice in our suffering. Here's the thing. Side moment. We oftentimes have a temptation to take verses like these Romans chapter five, verse three, and turn them into these cutesy, quotable, Instagram-bioable phrases that are just like, that we kind of just water down. We, we take the meeting and, you know, we just kind of water it down to be this cutesy phrase. Please do not hear me when I read this verse that, that is what is happening here. This is not a verse that is making light of suffering in any capacity. Because if you truly knew who Paul was, who's who's the author of this book, you would know that Paul's life is the, the almost literal definition of what suffering is. And he's writing to people who are going through suffering as well, that at one point or another, whether you're, I mean, whether you guys are going through suffering right now or probably, you probably will at some point later on, that Paul says that suffering is hard. At no capacity is, is suffering easy or simple. Suffering's hard. Suffering's complex. It's, it's dirty and wicked and confusing and sometimes we just don't know what to make with any of it. That is not, Paul is saying that suffering is hard because he gets it. This isn't a verse that we can just rip off the page and slap on a coffee mug. But this is a verse that we wrestle with. This is a verse that whenever we're up late at night, two or three in the morning in our bed, just trying to keep our mental and our, and our our lives just together because of what's going on in our life, and we read verses like these, and we ask the question of how? How can we go, how, how, how can we rejoice how can I rejoice in a moment like this? Because that's the temptation that oftentimes I mean I've, I've gotten this myself is that you know we have like the, we have some Christian friends and some Christian brothers and sisters who like you know, do the whole like pat on the shoulder like, "Hey, it's okay, bud. You can rejoice in your suffering. It's okay. Just shake it off." But the reality is, is that that's it's a lot harder to actually do than what we say it is. I don't think, I don't think, you have to be a profound, you don't have to be this profound theologian, this, this Bible thumper to know that. Because at, at some capacity or another, we've all gone through suffering. But what I love is that Paul doesn't leave this verse at verse three and then just continues to talk about other things. Paul goes ahead he, he goes ahead and illustrates this concept that that God has created a step-by-step process to produce hope from our suffering. So that's that's still kind of vague and like yeah we kind of read it in like verses 3 4 and 5 but let's go ahead and like unravel this and see kind of like what falls out. So the first step if you're taking notes is that suffering produces endurance. And this isn't, I mean, whenever I think of this, I think of, you know, you think of the word endurance, you think of, you know, suffering and enduring. You think of, I mean, to me, you think of um, exercise, right? Ex- like, that's not like a new concept, like, oh my gosh, exercising, what's that? But like, you know, you, you understand the concept that you like, you like, you, you, like, you work out and you, you go to intentionally tear the fibers, the muscle fibers in your body so that they'll rebuild stronger right? Like, we understand that, like, we say yes to soreness, we say yes to pain, we say yes to not being able to walk for two weeks straight, or being able to sit down, right? Because we know that in the end, it's going to be worth it, right? Like, we say, like, we say yes to these hard things, because we know that it's going to make us better at, on on the back end. And as I was kind of, like, diving through, I was kind of doing some studying, like, really kind of, like, just kind of, like, really just working this way through. I was just kind of like thinking about like what else do we do this year? And like I mean kind of like dialogue with me, like what else do we do? What else do we kind of like have this concept with in our lives? And I think it's funny um, because I'm still, I'm, still, I'm, I'm still a student. I'm getting my master's right now at Southwestern and um, I know all the studying that you guys are going through. Um, and honestly, maybe it's sometimes we say yes to these long long hours of suffering behind a textbook and being behind Blackboard, or we have to do these discussion boards because we know at the end of it, we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to get the grades to end up getting the, get the degree to then so that we can get the job. You know, we say yes to those things like those. I mean, this, is, this one is gonna hit a little home, but you know, just full transparency up here. Um, Maybe you say yes to rocking the jar of peanut butter with like the spoon buried inside of it that is in the convenient little carrying case that you can put in your backpack because you want to maybe save a little money so that you can maybe go out and go blow it at Windstar like on the weekend, right? Like I (laughs) I can neither confirm nor deny if I've actually done that. So um, full transparency. and it's, I say those things, but, and like we do that with so many other things in our life. Like we, we do this, we say yes to these things because we know that in the end it's gonna be worth it. And stick with me. It's funny then, then that we, don't, that we don't quit whenever we're doing those things, right? Like we know that like whenever we're saving money we're doing these things, we're, we're we know that because at the end of it it's gonna yield some, some, some results. why don't we do that with our faith? Why is it that whenever we go through hard times or that hard times are knocking on our front doorstep and that we don't really get the the decision whether or not we partake or not, that why do we use those things as disclaimers or, or as pieces of proof to go against the existence of God? I, I get it. Suffering is hard, and suffering is the worst thing. But how oftentimes do we do this? That we do this with everything else. But why do we do it with this? Why don't we do it with this? Why don't we believe that sometimes the things that we're going through actually can yield positive results in our faith? And honestly, I think it's because we, just, we, don't, we honestly just don't see what's at the end of the tunnel of the suffering. Because we get to suffering, we, we get to endurance, but like what, like what comes after endurance whenever it comes to our faith? And that leads to step three, and or I'm sorry, step two, and it says endurance produces character. And side story again, um, I back, uh, it was my last year at Tarleton, and um, I had this guy who discipled me, his name was Jonathan, um, really awesome guy, um, the dude just had a way with conversation. The dude had just knew how to have rich, genuine, authentic conversations. Not like conversations that, like, you know, you're just like, hey, how are you? Good? Okay, cool. I'm not going to ask anything else about you just because I really don't care. Or maybe it's like, hey, sports, right? Sports, players, teams, fantasy, right? Bad calls. Come on right? But like real genuine conversation, like Jonathan knew how to have conversations that were like life giving and that you walked away feeling encouraged. And I mean, like in, in, in college, like I had like my social savviness to like, you know, hold my own in a conversation. And but like, I didn't have, I didn't know how to have conversation like Jonathan did. And so in this discipleship relationship, you know, for a year, for week in and week out, every single week he would, he would drag me, sometimes by my teeth, uh, out to Walmart parking lots and parks and have these, these uh, conversations, these biblical uh, conversations engaging with complete strangers. And you know, he handled it like a pro, like he was fine. Like I was there and I'm like, I have my popcorn. I'm like, yeah, you're gonna get saved. Mm, heck yeah. But then it was like he looked at me and he's like, okay, your turn. And I'm like, hmm, I come again? And I did, so we did that for about a year. And it was some of the, it was like one of the most, it was one of the most awkward years of my life just because I had to engage with these complete strangers in Walmart parking lots, not really knowing how to like, navigate my way through intentional conversation to really hit the person that, who I had just met really in the heart and really ask them the like really juicy questions and really get to share with them the gospel of Jesus Christ. But after a year of doing that, of Jonathan holding my feet to the fire and holding me accountable to doing those things, God used Jonathan in a way so unique that it shaped my character in such a specific way that is innately part of who I am today. I mean, hindsight 2020, I look back, I'm like, man, yeah, that was super awkward. But like, I also see that it was something that God was using. It was a vehicle for for what God had and what he had to do inside of me to shape this character that now was gonna stick with me for the rest of my life and how that character then influences other people in other ways that I don't see. And none of it is by my own power, it's all by God and what he's done through people into my life. And I mean, but let me go ahead and ask this, like, what is that for y'all? Like, Obviously you guys don't have a guy named Jonathan. You guys don't have, you, know, you guys weren't out in Walmart parking lots at 11 o'clock on a Thursday asking like, hey, Patricia, how's it going? What are you up to? You gonna go get some groceries? Cool. Hey, can we hold you up for five minutes? Like obviously that's not, that's not like maybe like what you guys are have, have, maybe going through. Maybe that's not maybe the thing that you're in, enduring, but what are some of the things in your life? I take take the, self, the, 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 the chance to self-examine your life and being like what are some, what are some of the hard things that I'm going through? Because I think, and the reason why I ask that is to a just give you the the kind of the opportunity to like kind of like sit on that maybe for this next week and really like self-examine. Like, what are some of the hard things I'm going through in my life? What are some of the suffering that that I'm I've been enduring all the way up until this point? Because if I if I if I if I can be real with you guys, that I know that some of you are probably tired and that's fair like it's 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 tiring to go through this this constant process of having to continually endure but guys please hear me when I say this don't give in to the temptation just to numb the suffering and the enduring that you're going through don't numb it like I know I like I get guys I get that you're tired. But please don't miss that. This could be an opportunity for God to shape a character inside of you that that is so specific to you that's gonna influence you and so many others that you're gonna come in contact with in later in life. And it's sometimes we just sometimes saying yes to the easy, easy things isn't always the best. Sometimes we have to say yes to the hard things. But then that kind of begs the next question, is that like, well, what does character do? Like what, does, like what good does character produce in my life? Like what's the, so I mean, like okay, like suffering, yeah, I have that, we all have that. Like endurance, like okay, like I've been going through it, but there really isn't like a way out. And like, okay, so then now I have this thing called character, but what good does that character have inside of me? Well, let me go and share something. Is that character produces this certain thing inside of you called hope. And there's a, there's a really great story uh, in, the, uh, in, the, in the Old Testament. There's this guy, his name is David. He's, he was a king. He was a very prominent king at the time. Um, he was a, he was a, um, he was Long story short, he was a guy who was uh, promised um, by God through his prophet Samuel who said, hey, you know, you may be the youngest of all of your brothers, but you're going to be the king of Israel one day. And the, and, and the, and the current reigning king would come and he would be, see that as a threat because he was anointed as king at one point. And it's like, oh, hey, like this David guy is a threat. I'm going to go take him out. So, it, so Saul chased David out into the wilderness for years and david lived in caves and he hung out with bandits who just kind of like who just kind of like gravitated towards him as he's now using pillows he's using rocks for pillows and he's like hanging out with thieves and bandits and runaways and stragglers and then Saul ends up dying not by david's hand but he, then david becomes the king right just as god had promised but then years later, even whenever David is king, he still faces suffering in that he has this son named Absalom who out of just sheer pride and arrogance for, for almost a decade goes and he, and he begins to spread these lies about his own dad and then begins to lead this insurrection in the entire empire to dethrone his dad. And as David is sitting on the throne that God had promised, David has to run and flee out the back door for his life that his own son is trying to take. But in the midst of that suffering, listen to what David says. This is his heart. In Psalm 13, starting in verse one, he says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have have sorrow in my heart all day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider me and answer me, O Lord, my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I've trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. (laughs) I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt with Bountifully with me. This is a guy who's gone whose entire life is marked and and his entire story is just chalked up with suffering. How can a guy go through all of that and still say what he says? Because he went through God's process to produce hope from suffering. And that David's character may have been marked with suffering, but his life was known for as hope in the Lord. And that David's life is one of the best depictors of what this process is. God has created a step-by-step process for us to produce hope from our suffering. Guys, do we trust that? Do you trust God in the hard things that you're going through? Maybe, 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 maybe you didn't get into the sorority or the fraternity that you wanted. Maybe you didn't even get into one at all because nobody wanted you. Maybe you're living in, in the least ideal living situation in some of the, what are supposed to be some of the funnest years of your life. Maybe you're just having a hard time making a friend. Finding that someone who knows who you are and and takes the time out of their day to ask you, how are you? In all these hardships and suffering, do you trust that God will still bring about something beautiful? If you're, if you're sitting in this room, or if you're, in, if you're watching this on the live stream, and you say like, oh yeah, like for sure. I have three questions. Uh, I'm, glad, I'm glad you said yes. I'm glad that you have the confidence to say yes. But I really, what I ask, I wanna ask some, some really like practical questions, and some, some more like diagnostic questions that are gonna kind of really see like how far we're willing to put this process into practice. And my first question is this, when things get hard, what do you turn to? That's a fair question, right? Like whenever things get hard, what do you turn to? because oftentimes we turn to these things that we think are gonna remedy our suffering But how often do we just go back to that same thing over and over and over again? And the thing that makes this so hard is because this looks different for everybody all across the board. When when things get hard, what do you turn to? My second question is, because of how you've suffered and what, the, what you've gone through in this process, do you have empathy for others? Because if you, because if, I'm gonna get real with you, if you've gone through this whole process, that you've gone through suffering and you've chosen to endure it, and in enduring that has shaped and forged a character inside of you to then have hope in the glory of God and also to have hope in your sufferings, making it full circle, that you would then look to this God of the universe that tells you to love your neighbor as yourself and to bear in other people's burdens? Do you do that? Do you look and see the, the, the suffering that you've gone through and you see it maybe in someone else's life and you're like, my heart breaks for you because I know how hard that is. Are we, are we a people who are quick to engage in other people and, and get into other people's stuff and help them go through it, just like someone probably did for all of us? My last question is, can you rest in God's plan? Can you rest knowing that suffering, that the suffering you're going through, God has a purpose for Do you trust the process and do you trust a divine creator, a sovereign creator who has everything in control, whether you believe it or not, he has everything in control and that whenever we feel like, whenever we, whenever we don't feel it or we don't see it, just like what Paul says in that we know and that we can, that not only that, but we can rejoice in our suffering knowing That suffering produces endurance in the whole cycle. Can we rest in the process? Can we rest in the knowledge that we have a divine creator who loves his creation and knows what's best for his creation? Guys, our prayer as a ministry is that you guys would know that God of the universe. At the end of the day, do you know who Jesus Christ is and what he did for you and and gave you the ability to have all access to a God that loves you and that died for you? Do you know that kind of love? And that in that love that we can know that then we are now going through this process, that as we go through this process, we know that God's hand is, is with us every step of the way. We can rest in the idea that things may be hard right now, but one day things will be better. Do we trust the process and do we we trust a divine creator with our lives and our suffering? Let me pray. God, you are so good in so many ways. God, you are... You move in ways that we oftentimes don't even see, but God, that we can know. God, we love you that your faithfulness doesn't hinge on our faithfulness to you, but that God, that you are faithful through and through, and that we have a relationship with you so that whenever things do get hard, we can look to you and ask, God, why is this happening to me? And that God, that we know that we can, we can wrestle with those thoughts knowing at the end of the day that God, you love us and we can rest in that. God, I pray for these college students as they're going through some of the hardest times of their life right now. When it's supposed to be some of the funnest. But God, would you be with them and would they know that God, you love them and you're with them. That your love supersedes any of their circumstances that they're going through. God, we love you so much and we're so thankful for your son. It's in your son's name that I pray.